Welcome to the JT The Brick Show. You know, when you put the silver and black uniform on, you get such a surge of energy. It's time for the JT The Brick Show. And a lot of football players around the country that want to wear that silver and black. JT The Brick. When you talk about the Raiders, everyone knows you talk about the Raiders. On Raider Nation Radio 920 AM, here's your host, JT The Brick. Second hour of the show, JT with you as we are brought to you by our good friends at the Henderson Hyundai Superstore Boulder Highway in Henderson. They have the super deals you're looking for. VGK, eight games away from a Stanley Cup victory, eight wins away, but they have to get by Montreal first. Gary Lawless joins us, the Vegas Golden Knight insider, color on radio, digital columnist. He does it all. And, Gary, talk about the come down, or has everybody come down after four in a row against Colorado? That's about as special as it gets. Yeah, pretty good series, and I actually think the break here has been perfect. It's been long enough that the Golden Knights can get refreshed, but then stay in sync. If you go back to year one, they had some, you know, 10-day breaks or longer, and it was too much. This was perfect. Flurry was able to take a couple days off, get back into practice. Martinez took practice yesterday for the first time. That's a really good sign. Uh, No sick back on the ice. So enough rest to get the body back into, into place and get the mind clear, but not too much that you lose the touch in your hands. After Minnesota took the Golden Knights to seven, after game six, there was a lot of pressure from around the world to hockey. What happens if the Golden Knights don't get out of the first round? They did, and they were down 0-2 to Colorado and won four in a row. How much credit does DeBoer own for shutting out the background noise, especially being down 0-2 and winning the series? You know, I think uh, DeBoer did a really good job in that series in terms of keeping the team even, and you heard it from Mark Stone after game two. He said, yeah, we would have liked to have won this game, and it's a bit of a heartbreaker, but this was a confidence builder for us. We were better than them. We know we can beat them. We know the, the, the formula and what we have to do. Now we just have to execute. And then games three, four, five, and six, they ran the table. And that, that message from Stone, I think a lot of that came – from what he heard from DeBoer immediately after the game in the dressing room. This was it, guys. We got we got a bad call in overtime. We got to get past that, but we know what we need to do to beat this team. Let's go do it. Gary Lawless joins us. What's the feedback and heat like in Colorado, especially for their top line, their coach, as the fans were in shock, especially leaving their building after what happened there? What did they think about Colorado going forward? Because they got a pretty good team. A lot of people thought they had the best team in hockey. I thought it was Vegas until the final week of the regular season. Yeah, I think their media did them a great disservice uh, in terms of building that team up in a way that, you know, they were, well, we were in the building, and their pregame show before game one, they're like, this isn't even a series. Like, this is the best team in hockey versus uh, some also rans from Vegas. They, you know, they were uh, disrespectful to Marc Andre Fleury. They taunted him after the sod goal in, uh, in game five. Like, they just, uh, I, I, I really think now there's a narrative there that Colorado choked 
Vegas won more games than any other team in hockey. The difference between Colorado, Vegas, and Minnesota, minute, minuscule. And I, I, I just think that the media there has a really um, dispor- disproportionate view of the landscape. They don't understand Stanley Cup playoff hockey and how close it is. And uh, I sure hope Jared Bednar doesn't pay for that with his job because he did a really good job this year. Just They lost to a really good team. Gary Lawless joins us. Let's get to the matchup against Montreal. And after Toronto underachieved, Montreal broke through. All the leads they've had, how easy it's been for them to advance. What should we know in Vegas and for everybody streaming our show all over the country, what does VGK need to be worried about against Montreal? Well, world-class goaltender, uh, a defense core that is big and physical and uh, makes it really hard to get to their goalie, opportunistic offense. If you give them a chance, they've got some guys that will, that will make you pay uh, in those opportunities. They want to play with the lead. They've done that for, uh, um, I think, seven games in a row and won all those games. Uh, Vegas needs to push them. Vegas needs to, 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 to deliver some adversity and see how the Canadians handle it. So when you say play with the lead, is this a team when they get a lead, a one-goal lead, they get very defensive, they get back and just try yeah, to clear that. the puck? That's what they do? They pack the house, right? They make right. it really hard to get to Carey Price. And, uh, you know, he is he's a big goaltender. He gets square to the puck, and he's soft in terms of when the puck hits him, it dies right there. He does not give up rebounds. And when you've got Sherratt and Weber standing there ready to clear it, ready to whack anybody who gets in that area, uh, it makes for uh, it's a real tough team to come back against. I've always questioned VGK. I told you about this for years. I thought their only weak, weakness from a fan's perspective, and I'm just being a fan, was them clearing rebounds and clearing out space in front of Fleury and who's ever the goaltender there. So you're telling me Montreal is better at this? Montreal, if a puck is loose in front of the net, they dive in there, they clear it, and they get physical. I'm not saying they're better than Vegas because I actually think when you the, the, the defense that Vegas now has – uh, with White Cloud, Holden or Haig, Petrangelo, McNabb, Martinez, Vegas, you know, Vegas blocks more shots than anybody else. They have really, they cut down on the rebounds against Colorado, but Montreal does it very well as well. Gary Lawless as we wrap it up. So I am fascinated by this topic of Canadian teams not playing in the United States, and this is the first team in 460 days to do it. They're playing in front of limited to no fans. Vegas has over 18,000. How big of a role is that in this series? Well, it's going to be a big adjustment for Montreal tonight. You go back to get the puck, and Ryan Reeves is breathing down your neck, and all season long, you've been able to hear your goalie or your defense partner screaming at you, hey, reverse it, uh, eat it, flip it off the wall. You, you can't hear that tonight. Tonight it's pick your poison and decide what to do and get ready for Carrier or Wah or Yanmark or Reeves, Colasar to bury you. It's going to be interesting. So the key to this series, you told us when they started off again, for those who are joining us late, 
you know, you never overlook an opponent. A lot of the national media says Vegas, no problem. The bookmakers, Vegas, no problem. Your message to the VGK fans about not overlooking Montreal and why? They're one of the final four teams in the NHL. That is never a team that isn't good. You might think that the North Division was weaker. They had to beat the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Winnipeg Jets to get to this moment. They have one of the greatest goaltenders of his generation in Carey Price. They've got an excellent coach. They've got the history, the mystique of the Montreal Canadiens. They have a nation behind them. They haven't won a Stanley Cup. A Canadian team hasn't won a Stanley Cup since 1993. Never, ever trifle with your opponent at this stage. Vegas is a great team with depth and balance. Get to your game tonight. Force the Canadians to play the way you want them to play. Take it to them. Don't wait. Awesome analysis. We'll talk to you deeper in the series. Thanks for the time. Appreciate it, buddy. Stay out of that pool, Brick. You're getting too <laughs> Thank you, dude. Appreciate that. Thank you. He knows I was out at the pool. I got to share that story over at the new day club over at uh, Virgin Hotels. Yes, there is a slight sunburn. I wore a hat, though. I wore a, a Raiders hat in the water, but the shoulders... Uh, the shoulders were not covered up. That was a, a, a nice – I caught a lot of pool time this weekend over at Virgin Hotels, which was a lot of fun. So you heard what Gary had to say. You never overlooked the opponent. Kerry uh, Price, generational goalie. Wow. Uh, Gary knows hockey as good as anybody. That is a high compliment for their goaltender, the physicality and what they can do and how they like to pack it in. That's what I, I think will trouble some fans – if Vegas doesn't get off to a good start and they're trailing 2-1 or one nothing, the conservative style in the third period for Montreal just to pack it in on defense and try to clear the puck the rest of the way, it might be difficult. But I think Vegas got a lot of good work in against Minnesota. Minnesota was a stingy, tough matchup for them, and they could have lost. They could have lost at any time, especially late in that series, and they found a way to win. And then the adjustments that Peter DeBoer made were incredible. Incredible adjustments by Peter DeBoer, as Gary said, the way he kept the team even keel. That's the job of a coach. The job of a coach, Aaron Boone, is trying to do it with the Yankees. You know, I'm a big Yankee fan, and every day the Wolves are at the door. The media steps up every week and gets on Aaron Boone. And Aaron Boone is very composed. But now he's starting to lose it a bit. Because he knows his job's on the line. So he's saying, we have to step up. This is our time. We have to do it. Blah, blah, blah. Well, Peter DeBoer, you know, I had someone tell me off the record when Vegas was on the verge of potentially losing to Minnesota, hey, man, I'm telling you, a lot of guys are getting fired. And I said, what? They said, believe me, guys are losing their jobs if they don't get out of the first round. I was like, that's the way hockey is. And I'm talking about a lot of people potentially losing their jobs in different categories of that organization. People that you like. I said, all right, uh, let's just leave it at that, and now we don't have to deal with it. No one's losing their job if the VGK doesn't get to the Stanley Cup or they get there and lose. But I think this team, as I told you all year when the season started, they win the Cup. And I think this team is poised to the best team to do it. They're getting healthier. Good to hear Alec Martinez back in practice. 
when you look at the health that's coming around with Pacioretty, which is a good thing, and the rest of Flurry. And one last thing that Gary said that really stood out to me is that they had a couple of days off, but they didn't have too much time off. Montreal's had a lot of time off, so you got to expect them to be fresh. But imagine an organization and a team that basically hasn't seen anything live with fans. Now they get to get dropped into the fortress. And they're dropped into the fortress, and it's going to be that loud. Hopefully it plays a difference, as we talked about earlier in the show tonight. We talked about uh, today how I think the uh, Allegiant Stadium with full fans is going to play a big role, hopefully in the fourth quarter with some big games. So I want to see that happen. 702-365-9200. We have another contest giveaway with your opportunity, opportunity to qualify to win two Vegas Golden Knights tickets for game two. Uh, the best caller that calls in on VGK will get a hat and a two-foot sub from Porta Subs. I'm the only radio host in America that doesn't give out stuff for free. It's not fifth caller, ninth caller. I'm done. You got to call the show. You got to acknowledge the show when we're on the air. You don't have to say we're great. You don't have to kiss my ass, but you at least got to earn it. And you got to earn it by just giving us a phone call on something sports related. If I'm going to give you a VGK hat and a two-foot sub, the two-foot Porta sub. Are you kidding me? This is an unbelievable deal. So it could be Raiders and the goal of minicamp. Could be VGK. When we come back, we'll dive into everything that happened over the weekend. And then Tom Leander is going to join us, pre- and post-game host for the Phoenix Suns. I go back a long way with this guy. And the Suns are legit now. Could the Suns be the favorite right now to win it all? We're pretty close to Phoenix. Would it be good for this region? A lot of Sun fans here in Vegas. I could see that right here on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Durant being hounded back door to Irving, who lays it in. And then fell hard on his right side, and he's down, holding his right ankle. Up top on Dedekumpo. Out on the left, Connaughton for three is no good. Irving is still down as the Nets get the rebound. Griffin's got it. Irving's holding his right ankle. Sebastian Poirier is going to run out now to attend to him. Nets trainer, Harry Irving, is in pain. He's slamming the floor. It's his right ankle. Oh, he really turned it back. Yeah, it came down. We just looked foot. at it on a, on a replay, and he stepped on a foot of a buck defender, and he turned that right ankle badly. JT, as we continue here on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM, brought to you by Remy Martin. Our good friends say team up for excellence whenever I'm talking X's and O's, and no doubt on the weekends, I have a Remy Martin sidecar in my hand. Remy Martin, the great back bar, as I call it now, in private room at the Raiders Tavern and Grill. If you haven't been there yet, you're coming to town, you're going to the M, go to the back room of the Raiders Tavern and Grill, and it's all Remy Martin. And you can check out all their products there. They are a proud partner of our show. So the appropriate heat song, let me tell you something. Every time this year, Every time. I moved here originally in 1996. I was gone for 10 years in L.A., a year and a half for two years in the Bay Area, but I've been coming to Vegas a long time. And I tell my wife every year, and it happens to be right around this week, why are we here? 
Why are we not on the beach? Why are we not in Newport Beach or somewhere in San Diego where my friends live? Why am I putting myself through this heat? And she reminded me, early on the kids played sports. The boys played either baseball or some type of sport, football camps or whatever it is. And now that we'll be empty nesting in less than two months, this is the last time. My mother-in-law gets in town tonight, blah, 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 but I cannot believe this heat. So this week's going to be crazy. Over at Raiders training camp, mini camp, I'll be over there tomorrow and Wednesday. Practice starts at 7.30 in the morning. And the one thing I really miss the most about the Raider Nation up in the Bay Area and Oakland Coliseum and the tailgating and all that was fabulous, but I really miss Napa. Napa was the biggest hook that Raider fans could appreciate or take advantage of if you were able to do it. Over the years, if you were able to get up to Napa to check out training camp and experience wine country and the food and the weather, and there were times there where it was really hot. Like, I didn't wear a hat to practice, and my scalp was burnt coming out of that. Really serious. It could be really hot there, but this is different here in Vegas. So Mark Davis, they built this unbelievable practice facility with that giant indoor football field and a half of one where you could kick field goals and you could punt the football, and they're going to use it a lot. But an advantage for the Raiders is to get outside and train, and they're going to have to do it around this heat this week. So think about what's happening this week. We're going to have hockey games being played between 111 and 115 degrees. Okay, so that's really important with the ice conditions. I remember the first year with the Golden Knights, the year they went to the Cup, and they played all the way into the postseason, and everybody's saying, how is the ice going to hold up? And the ice held up pretty well. I I think everybody around the league was pretty impressed. T-Mobile and the ice is fantastic. But this is different now because everybody has to walk into that building through an open door, even though it's air conditioning. So people who want to tailgate or have a couple of beers in the park or do whatever they're doing or drive in, you want to get into that game pretty quickly here. And for Raider fans, we're going to have to deal with that at the end of August and early September if it remains hot and you got to get inside Allegiant Stadium because it's going to be really difficult to be outside in this type of weather. So this week is going to be a test. And as my one of my great friends always reminds me, take care of your pets. I've been out here a long time. The two things that are the most scary thing to see on the news, for those who are new in Vegas or listening to a streaming, outside the market is there are people that leave their kids in the car. They forget that their kids are in the car, literally. They're babies and toddlers, and they get out of the car. They run a quick errand into the dry cleaner or the grocery store, and all hell breaks loose, and it's on the news. So you got to keep an eye on your pool and make sure your pool is locked. you got to keep an eye on your pets to make sure your pets have enough water and they're inside and you don't forget to leave them outside. And then the most important thing, kids in cars. You're going to see a lot of that on the news, a lot of precautionary reminders about that. So I'll get off my soapbox, but this week is insane. And I always tell everybody, the weather doesn't bother me here. I love the heat. When 107 feels like 97, 105 feels like 95, but once it gets over 110, it feels like an oven. Hey, I want to get to the final call of Novak Djokovic winning the French Open. That was incredible. If you saw the semifinal against Nadal, and here's how it ended in an unbelievable match where he was down two sets to love and came back and won. He's ready. He serves out wide to the backhand of Sitsipas. Swing volley from Djokovic. Can Sitsipas get there? He's put up a high ball. It should be put away. And it is. And it is a 19th major title for the world number one. 
His second here at Roland Garros. He becomes only the second man to win all four slams at least twice in the Open era. And he closes the gap on Roger and Rafa in that compelling race to be proclaimed the very best of all time. Djokovic from two sets down wins in five. Wow, that's a really good call. Who's that guy? Roland Garros Radio really enjoyed that. I wanted to bring that up because this time of year, I'm mostly a national sports show when we do this with my show at night. And this show, when we have Raider content, we'll give it to you if they're off, if they're on vacation, if they're just starting camp. We're not going to just go pound Raider sand into the ground unless we have some content. And I wanted to talk about that because that was a brilliant sporting event. And a lot of people did not watch two events that went down this past weekend that were really big. The European Cup, where one of the soccer players collapsed and was literally out, gone, as the team medical doctor said. Christian Eriksen collapsed in the Denmark game, and that was incredible to see. I didn't watch it in real time, but I had the TV on, and when I heard about it on Twitter, again, you get everything from Twitter nowadays, I turned on the TV, and they were reviving him on the pitch, giving him CPR, and it saved his life. So that was really difficult to watch, and the fans were chanting afterwards his name, and that was special. And then the Djokovic win was an incredible achievement in athletics. You know, Tennis players are some of the most fit athletes in the world, and they're all athletic. To play tennis, you have to be super athletic. From time to time, you hear in the NFL, well, he's not that athletic, he's not this or that. Tim Tebow isn't athletic, really. Tim Tebow is one of the great athletes we've seen in the history of sports. He can play everything. Might not be elite at everything, but he's a pretty athletic guy with what he can do. Djokovic is on a different level. So the Joker wins that. He's going to pass Nadal and Federer and be the greatest tennis player of all time. That's why I tuned into it. I thought it was incredible to watch. And it's going to be fun to see what he does now. To beat Nadal at Roland Garros and win the Grand Slam twice in his career, he's going to have an opportunity to separate himself. And I grew up in the era of Borg, McEnroe, and Connors, Pete Sampras, and Agassi. And I thought they were great back in the day. Those guys even aren't even compared to Djokovic, Nadal, and especially Federer today. You can't even get people to compare it. Different eras, different technology, different rackets. But the players today are just much more fit. John McEnroe was one of the great tennis players I've ever seen, but he's nowhere near as athletic as Novak Djokovic. So I just wanted to sign off on those two sports stories over the weekend. So Thursday night, after I did my show on Sirius XM, during the day on Thursday, I checked my wife and I went down to Virgin Hotels, the former Hard Rock for their unstoppable weekend. So I went and checked into the room. We got a three-day room, a staycation over at Virgin Hotels. I did my show from home, and then I shot down there and was able to walk in right at the end of the concert. Christina Aguilera put on a show with Flo Rider. And then I had a chance to meet Sir Richard Branson, who was on the property and walking around. He was spraying champagne from stage from the Flo Rider concert. And shaking his hand was really cool. That's a guy I always wanted to meet because of what he's done with the world when it comes to leisure, when it comes to branding, which is really important for everybody who has a business, branding. So it was cool to meet him. And then I checked in for the weekend. They opened up their new beach day club, which was fabulous. The restaurants over there were unbelievable. Got a chance to hang out with Richard Bosworth, Boz, the owner of the property who's in charge of all of it. And he rolled out the red carpet. Uh, Money Baby, their sports venue, 
on the second floor that used to be Vanity. Went up there and watched the UFC fight, and it has an outdoor balcony that overlooks the pool. Great venue if you're going to gamble on sports and want to watch football. They really killed it. Really fun time there. So my wife and I had a really nice three days over at Virgin Hotels at a one stake, and we saw all of our friends, because a lot of our friends still work there, from the spot that my wife and I met at the old Hard Rock. So congratulations. They did a soft opening, and then they decided to do a real big opening with their pool. And I can tell you, I root for all of my friends to do well. It was just nice to be there all weekend long, use the gym, the gym facilities, the spa. So if you're looking for some place to stay and you got friends coming in from out of town, I highly recommend it. It's not the Hard Rock. Oh, and then I went to the fight on Saturday night to see Shakur Stevenson fight. I was a little bit disappointed because he's such a great boxer. He could be pound for pound top three in the world in the next couple of years. And it turned out to be a pillow fight. It was great to be there. I had great seats. Saw a lot of friends who were there. But it was like a Floyd Mayweather fight. He dominated the fight. Didn't try to knock out his opponent. Could have knocked out his opponent. I'm sitting there just putting my head down going, really? We got one of the great fighters in the world today. In Shakur Stevenson fighting right in front of us. Inside the theater, the old joint. And all he's doing is tapping hands, tapping hands and throwing jabs. I appreciate going to fights. But what was interesting when that fight ended, to watch the UFC card with all the excitement there, boxing and guys, I hope they get Bob Arum on this week. When you have a great fighter, and I'll go back to Floyd Mayweather, you got to do a better job entertaining the fans. If you got an opportunity to win a fight in dramatic fashion, you have to. Floyd made a brilliant career by not getting hit as a defensive fighter, and it was a smart move for him because it saved his brain. It saved his brain from injury. Uh, He still looks good because he didn't get hit a lot. And when I watched Shakur Stevenson fight, he was cut out of the mold of Floyd. Couple of combinations, back off. Big jab, back off. I don't like that type of boxing. I like boxers that entertain, put on a show, and try to knock people out. Couple of other big stories before we come back, because it's about the Golden Knights this week and Raiders minicamp as I'll be out at practice. I want to see the Nets come back at full strength. I really do. I want to see the Nets come back at full strength because Kyrie Irving hurting his ankle was a big deal over the weekend, and I want to see the Nets come back with Kyrie Irving and James Harden at full strength because I want to see the Nets lose, and I don't want to see any excuses there. So Kyrie Irving went down yesterday with the ankle injury, and it looks pretty severe, but the MRI came back negative, so he didn't have a tear in it or break. So he should be able to come back, and James Harden, James Harden's got a problem with that hamstring. And I could always tie that back to him being out of shape in Houston and saying, look, he didn't care enough to be in shape in Houston as he wanted to get traded, and he got rewarded by going to the Nets. So with the Kyrie Irving injury, it looks like the Nets are in big-time trouble. And they got three superstars, and Kevin Durant is going up against Giannis Antetokounmpo. If Durant's able to lead the Nets past a healthy Milwaukee team, that'll be interesting to see. That's going to be a hell of a finish to the series as it is a best out of three. Here's how it sounded when Kyrie Irving went down. Durant, he hounded back door to Irving, who lays it in. And then fell hard on his right side, and he's down. Holding his right ankle. Up top on Dedekumpo. Out on the left, Connaughton for three is no good. Irving is still down as the Nets get the rebound. Griffin's got it. Irving's holding his right ankle. Sebastian Poirier is going to run out now to attend to him. Nets trainer, Harry Irving, is in pain. He's slamming the floor. 
It's his right ankle. Oh, he really turned it back. Yeah, it came down. He just looked foot. at it on a on a replay, and he stepped on a foot of a buck defender, and he turned that right ankle badly. Yeah, he turned it badly. That was uh, tough to see, but he didn't break it. He didn't break it. And the other thing that I want to just get to quickly here on Raider Nation Radio, Denver got swept by Chris Paul and Phoenix, and Phoenix was a better team. Phoenix was a better team all year long, but they threw out the MVP in that game. They threw out uh, Nikola Jokic in that game, and that was tough to see. He was swiping for a basketball. He wound up his hand to try to uh, strip a basketball, and, you know, he committed a hard foul. I thought it was a really hard foul, and he ended up uh, hitting Cameron Payne when that happened. But the point was I didn't like the fact that they threw the MVP out of the game. I guess to the letter of the law you can, but come on. I mean, he was, it was a basketball move. He was trying to get the ball away. But the fact that he wound up made it look more violent. And he's not a violent player. And it really bothered me that the referees had to go to the scorer's table and look at the replay for five minutes. And then wait to get uh, control and get Secaucus, New Jersey, the bosses there in the video monitoring booth, to say throw him out of the game. So I don't think it was worthy of a flagrant to ejection and that's the last game of the season for the MVP, Nikola Jokic. And I don't think a season should end that way. And he took the high road after the game, shook everyone's hands. Here's Mike Malone, the head coach of Denver, on how he saw it. I don't know. I think it was something along the lines of wind-up, malicious intent, some other mumbo-jumbo. But obviously, uh, you know, you lose the MVP, uh, it's going to make it even harder to try to stave off elimination. So I don't think they would have won the game with him on the court. I'm not making excuses for Denver. Denver got dominated by Chris Paul in the entire series. But let it be known. I mean, come on. I grew up. You, you did too. If you grew up with Bird versus Magic and all the times that the teams had to be separated. Remember the bad boy Pistons? We have Bill Lambeer, who's the coach of the Aces. I should get him on, him on, to, him on to talk about that. Do you know how many times Bill Lambeer, James Edwards, John Sally? Those guys would basically throw a shoulder into someone, knock them down, throw them to the ground, get a technical foul but never ejected from the game. I think the game's getting much softer. The NBA is a three-point shooting chuckers league now, and some guys can chuck it and shoot it better, better than others. But I thought that was just a terrible call to throw the MVP out of the game with a flagrant two and an ejection in the Western Conference semifinals. MVPs? should get the benefit of the doubt. There is something called home court advantage, and it didn't matter there. 702-365-9200. A lot of news will be coming out of Henderson the next couple of days. Radio Media Day today. Then we'll come back with a couple of days of minicamp, get a chance to see the team out there together to see what the roster looks like when they're on the field, and Gus Bradley lines them up properly. So looking forward to that. We'll be hosting one show this week from over in Henderson, and then just excited to stay out of the heat and watch the Golden Knights. If you got a call on the Golden Knights, the one thing I don't like about this series is everybody's predicting VGK in a blowout. As I learned in college as the president of my fraternity, don't count your kegs before they're tapped. Don't assume anything. Montreal is not as good as Vegas, but don't assume anything. Montreal's coming into Vegas with house money, and that could be very dangerous. 
as we continue on. JT, Raider Nation Radio, on a hot and a little bit sticky Monday right here in Vegas. Come right back with us. Craig gets the ball off to Chris Paul. Two seconds, one second. Suns win. And the Suns defeat Denver in four straight games. Oh, brother. The Suns 125, Denver 118. Yeah, that's Suns radio on the call. I think this could be what probably the biggest surprise so far of the NBA playoffs is the Suns winning this deep into the playoffs in a sweep against a Denver team with Nikola Jokic, the MVP, and a team that I thought was tough. You know, Jamal Murray being out really hurt this team in this particular matchup because I don't think Phoenix really had a guy who could defend him on the edge. we got a guest coming up to talk about the Suns we booked. So we'll get to that in a minute. And I look at all the action coming in tonight, Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, we'll wrap up the show touching on this a little bit in a moment. They have to play great. They have to storm Montreal tonight in their own building, the fortress here. Take away any vision Montreal has to win this series and make it competitive. I'm talking 5-1, 5-2, play big. Mark Stone is the captain of the team. He's the captain of the team. He's got to have this team ready. They're getting healthy. They're better on paper. They were much better in the regular season. And get a couple of goals past Carey Price. It's going to be hard to do, but if they get a lot of shots on goal and they attack the front of the net, I think they can keep that momentum going. We just mentioned Phoenix got some time off now, deservingly so. Tom Leander, kind enough to join us. Been with the Sun since 1993 on multiple platforms. He's currently the pre- and post-game host and television host, and he's kind enough to join us on Raider Nation Radio. Tom, we were talking about that Jokic foul knocking the MVP out of the game as the Suns clinched. What did you think of that play? Did the officials get it right? So it's hilarious because when that play happened was transpiring, I'm sitting here with my family because I'm a, I'm a fan now. I'm not doing the broadcast. We were, they kicked us off after the first round. It's all nationals. Yep. So we jumped up. We're like, you got to kick him out. And I'm like, they're not going to kick him out. He's the MVP. They're in Denver. And then we saw the replay. I'm like, they have to kick him out. Like it was, there was, when I first saw the angle, I didn't think it was that atrocious of a foul. And then I saw him with the windup. I'm like, Okay, that's a flagrant too, but there's no way ever that they're going to like eject the MVP in Denver on their closeout game, and they did. I'm just shocked, but it was the right call, and the fact that he came over to campaign and apologized was one of the coolest things I've ever seen on an NBA court. I mean, seriously, he realized, and even the look in his face when he chest-butted Devin Booker, I'm looking at Jokic, who's one of my favorite players in the league. He's one of the, I think all of us, if you're a purist in the game of basketball, you love watching this guy play. He snapped. I mean, just the look in his eyes. I'm like, I've never seen that out of him. Usually you want more passion. And uh, he, he knew, I mean, it just gave him a few minutes to calm down. And when he came over and apologized to Cameron Payne, man, that was a legit great sportsmanship move by a guy who deserved the MVP and deserved to be kicked out. Tom, let me ask you, when did you see this new arrival of Chris Paul? When did you notice? Because he played well in Oklahoma City, and you know he's a guy that some people question him for losing a half a step a couple of years ago, and then this fit in the chemistry and the leadership that he's bringing. 
to Phoenix. Did you see this coming, or was this something that it took a while to gradually see him get back to be in this type of shape where he's playing like he's 25 years old again? (laughs) That's a great question because it's been an evolution of the team and certainly of Chris, but all season long, you know, he's been Mr. Fourth Quarter, Mr. Clutch, but like his numbers going in the fourth quarter right now are insane in the playoffs. He's playing better than he ever has. And, you know, we've seen so many times him get close and whether it be with, you know, the Clippers and then Houston with a hamstring injury and, you know, what a great job he did with Oklahoma City. This is the best I've ever seen him. I mean, again, I can only describe what was happening to me personally sitting on a couch with four of my family members, including my son, who's like a crazy-ass Phoenix Suns fan. Um, we're, we're rolling over going, what? He hit it again. No, my God, he hit another shot. We're, we are living and dying by every shot, but every shot that he takes, he makes. And when he misses, we're like, what? you got to be kidding me. It's, he has taken his game to an absolutely different level. And I think because it's kind of like in Oklahoma City, too, the expectations mm-hmm. have been off of him. So he's not expected to to do this, and now he's playing at such a high level that he's just adding layers to it. And, I mean, it's just to bring back the mid-range game, and I'm so happy that they're all talking about it, like whether it be Reggie Miller or, I mean, our own analyst, Eddie Johnson, who's one of the best. It's just it's refreshing to see that type of basketball. I am so sick of teams running down the court and shooting quick threes. It's just not basketball. It's not fun to watch. I want to see some teamwork. I want to see you use the clock. I want to see the management. And then, I mean, you got to admit, the best moment of this game was when he went back door through the legs, pull up, and the shot of Javon Carter with the hoodie pulling it over his head, going, you've got to be kidding me. And Kevin Harlan, who's always been one of my all-time favorite uh, play-by-play guys, his call of that play and the replay should go down in the annals along with Chris Paul's magistry in these playoffs because he captured that moment because we're all seeing it going. He just went back door behind the wickets and he's toying with Denver. He's, it's like, he's, you're right. He's 26, not 36. Yeah, it's incredible how he's playing. Tom Leander joins us since 93 with the Phoenix Suns. Phoenix Suns analyst, pre- and post-game host. Tom, what do you like about what's happening with the team now as they go forward with all the rest? Because you nailed it perfectly. I've been saying that what I like about this team, they just don't always shoot threes, and they don't try to bail each other out by shooting threes. They can actually get in a half-court set, this team, with you know Crowder, obviously Aiton, Chris Paul, Booker, and they can run a couple of screens and get guys open on the low block. They just seem like they're coached better on how to get a bucket when they need it and not live and die by the three. Yeah, no, you nailed it. And, and you look at the two teams that they could possibly face, you know, whether it's the Clippers or the Utah Jazz. I mean, those are three happy teams. Those guys, like, chuck up so many threes and rely on it. You know, whether it's Paul George out there shooting threes. I mean, Kawhi's, you know, will mix it up a little bit. But Utah definitely. And they've got the weapons to do it. But when you go cold, they don't have anything really to turn to. Um, I think the Suns have so many options, and just the fact that they're playing together. I mean, they keep looking for Mikael Bridges in the corner. Cam Johnson's another huge X factor. I mean, that guy, he's going to be one of the top, and he already has one of the sweetest strokes, but one of the top shooters in the league, finding him, and the way that they can break it up. So I like the fact that, and DeAndre Ayton, I mean, I have to be honest, and I, I think I speak for almost every Phoenix Suns fan. Like, that last dunk that he had was like, where has this been? Where has that passion, where has that fire been? And he brought it 
from day one of the playoffs. And most of us figured, oh, man, he's going to probably wilt under the big lights and he, he just, you know, hasn't shown it consistently. We are seeing a different DeAndre Ayton who has basically sculpted an entire new chapter to his career. Uh, the dialogue and the image of DeAndre Ayton with what he's doing, that sweet little touch in the lane and the way that he's been able to, and he's never been intimidated by Jokic. Some of his best games have been against Denver, but he's the guy that if he can carry that confidence forward against other teams, like he's done in the first two games of the series, in particular Denver, I mean, the Suns are unstoppable. And then I'll throw one more thing in there real quick. Dario Saric is the most unsung important player on this team because when he can come off the bench he's been last year he was the connector Monty Williams talked about that and he lost his confidence the last two months we lost Dario Sharks he wasn't the Dario that we knew from last year and the beginning of the season if he plays the way he does coming in off the bench with Cameron Payne these sons are unstoppable they're unbeatable they're going to win it all I don't care who they play Tom Leander as we wrap it up part of the Suns broadcast Tom, I I look at this fan base. Tell me more about it. My son's going to be a freshman at ASU uh, this upcoming year. I was just out. I've been to Suns games throughout my career, and I know how loud it could get there. But there was a time over six, seven, eight, nine years that I wasn't going back to a Suns game. They really weren't on the map. They weren't a team like we're seeing now. How has it changed? What are these fans excited about, about the way the organization is running and how they're doing it with the draft? What's a typical Suns fan say when you talk to them? It's insane. I mean, and everybody's been kind of in their hole the last 10 or 11 years, but mm-hmm. it's not like they they lost their passion for the Suns. It's just the Suns, you know, we were in a rebuilding phase for 11 years. I mean, for goodness sake, it's like how many young guys can you bring in here and not develop them? And then James Jones took over. James Jones gets 100% of the credit for putting this team together, hiring Monty Williams, putting together a big boy basketball team. The other guys, and I'm not going to name that didn't know how to put together a roster of teams and role players and veterans. I mean, it just, so I don't blame the Suns fans. Sure. It'd be nice if they were like the Cub fans or, you know, from other teams, Red Sox, whatever, where they live and die, win or lose. Um, It's expensive to go to games. It's not easy to go to games and support your team. It's hard to spend that money, but now we've put together a team and the management and, front office, like I said, with James Jones, who has a lot of experience as a role guy, knows how to put that together, and now the fans are all coming back. And it's it's crazy. My whole family is a family get-together, and nobody can stop talking about the Suns. Nobody has said a word to me about any broadcast work I've done for the last 11 years. And now they're like, whoa, this is the greatest thing. So it's a passionate fan base. They just needed somebody to light the fuse, and that guy was James Jones. And Devin Booker hung around, and then we brought in Chris Paul and Jay Crowder, and DeAndre Ayton has turned into a man. Um, And then we've got some nice young players around them. So there's no doubt this fan base has always been here. Um, And I hope your son can get tickets. If not, have him contact me because I'd be happy to get him to a game. And I don't know if he's going to be at the Cronkite School of Broadcasting. He probably has enough um, education in broadcasting from, from dad. But this is a Phoenix Suns town, and it has been from 1968 established this franchise to 76 when they went to the finals to 93 with Charles Barkley to the Steve Nash, Amari Stoudemire, Sean Marion era. Um, This is, this, this place is on fire and it's, it's so much fun to be a part of it and to say, you know, we've been broadcasting the games and, and just enjoy this ride. Great, Tom. Great catching up with you. Enjoy the ride. Hopefully we can talk to you again deeper in the playoffs. Really appreciate it. 
Sounds good, man. I appreciate being on your show. Thanks, Tom. That's nice. Tom Leander, a good guy. Been with the Suns since 93, and that's a long run. I've been with the Raiders since 98, and there's been some lean years. He had 11 or 12 recently, and now the team is playing at this level, and they could win the title. I didn't think the Suns could win the title before the playoffs started. Now I do. They're just playing well. They just really have great chemistry. I think Utah's a little bit better, but they're suffering through injuries now. Speaking of injuries, Steve Nash just said that Kyrie Irving is out. He has no update on James Harden. Steve Nash said Kyrie Irving had an MRI and has a sprained ankle. He is out for tomorrow's Game 5. So assuming Harden doesn't come back because that hamstring is legit and Kyrie doesn't play, it's Kevin Durant versus Giannis and Middleton. It goes from a three-man power team of Brooklyn with two guys out to the two stars and healthy all-stars for Milwaukee playing at a very high level. So there's a lot of media coming in today from the Raiders. A lot of guys got their team photo today, their personal picture. Yannick Ngakwe uh, put out a tweet. The Raiders put that out. So if you get a chance, uh, go to the Raiders on Twitter. You'll see a lot of behind-the-scenes videos of what went on today at Media Day. Uh, Guys show up on a day like today, take a lot of their pictures and videos and talk, and this is where they – get all their pictures, jumping in space, holding the ball up, Derek Carr screaming in front of a green screen. Uh, Henry Ruggs, good picture of him, palming the football. So that was all day today, and a good message from Yannick Ngakwe, as I said, and Josh Jacobs, as they are back now, and the Raiders are ready for minicamp. Minicamp tomorrow, so I'll be out there 7.30 in the morning on Tuesday and Wednesday. And I'm looking to see this team. Also, we have our conversation with Gus Bradley, if you missed it. The Game Plan Podcast, it's at Raiders.com. And also you can find that. The Raiders tweeted it out on Raiders Twitter. Uh, my deep dive with Gus Bradley on the offseason and what he expects. From a lot of these players, especially the players in year two, that really need to step up. I'm on a little bit earlier this week on Mad Dog from 6 to 9 p.m. instead of 7 to 10 p.m. So I turn around and do another show tonight. 6 to 9, if you got Sirius XM, it is channel 82. Want to thank all of our guests today. We appreciate everybody that stepped up and came on today. And I'm excited. This is going to be a good week. U.S. Open Golf in San Diego. I would be going to that normally, but my son turns 18 on June 18th. So we're going to have a nice weekend with my son. My last, my last one before the empty nest turns 18. So we'll have a good weekend here. Oh, I'm going back to the fights. Top ranks got fights again at Virgin Hotels this weekend for the next couple of weeks. So if you're looking to see good boxing from a great view and a great seat, contact Virgin Hotels and find a way to get in there. It's a good time. Thanks to Bobby who put the show together. Bobby will be running the broadcast for the Vegas Golden Knights tonight. Game one on our sister stations, Fox Sports Radio. Let's go, VGK. Get off to a good start and start counting down to a run to the Stanley Cup. All right. Thanks, guys. Have a great day.